Amen. You may be seated. I know Josh and I went back. I didn't know we went that back. He took me back to the basement. And uh, so just grateful to be here, grateful for the invite, uh, just grateful for the opportunity to share a word with you just a little bit about me. Uh, again, my name is uh, David Marrero, been a pastor um, at New Life Covenant Church, literally born and raised at, uh, at this church. My dad is the founding pastor, started the ministry in 1965, and uh, the history um, you know, tells for itself, and uh, God has really, truly blessed me. I've been married for 20 years now, 20 years. Does anybody want to get married? Anybody want to be married? Yeah? Yeah? Do I have any excited people wanting to get married? No? Okay. You know, you lying. You lying. You can't lie in church. So I've been married for 20 years. It's been an incredible journey with my wife. Also have three beautiful children, two teenagers, and one that acts like one. So please keep me in prayer as I continue to navigate all that God has been doing. I want to share a thought with you here uh, this morning. I want to talk to you about something that I really felt impressed from the Lord to share with you, which is this, wrestling with my identity. Wrestling with my identity. Why did I want to bring this up and share this with you? Because I do believe that there are so many people that are misplacing their identity in the wrong spaces. They're misplacing their identity in the wrong places, they're misplacing their identity in the wrong people. They're misplacing their identity in an unhealthy idea. So when we talk about identity, identity is literally built up in so many different ways and formats. And sometimes we come out on top because we have been able to do it in a healthy way. But then there's others that are building an identity that is so unhealthy that you don't realize the impact that it would have, especially, listen to this, when a storm comes. I always tell parents this. I said, listen, it's important for you uh, not only to invest in your children's life when it comes to the academics and when it comes to extracurriculums. And in Chicago, especially where I live, baseball is huge. Softball is huge. And there's so much attention when it comes to investing and putting children in travel team and et cetera. And I will tell them that is all good and gravy. But at the end of the day, make sure that you're investing Jesus into their lives. Why? Because when a storm comes, baseball is not going to teach your children how to overcome a storm. But we, we got to learn and understand where does our identity come from. I want to speak to you from the perspective of two individuals, they were actually brothers. You're probably very familiar with the story of Jacob and Esau. In Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 28, the scripture reads, And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him unto the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. As I was growing up, I used to love watching wrestling, WWF. Do I have anybody who enjoys WWE or maybe you're watching Elite wrestling now, which is the competition. I don't watch it as much as I used to. But I got to tell you, when I was growing up, you know who my favorite wrestler was? My favorite wrestler was Hulk Hogan. 
I'm preaching a good word here. Let me tell you why. I loved Hulk Hogan. And the reason why I loved Hulk Hogan is because he was full of the spirit. Whenever Hulk Hogan was getting beat up in the ring, there was a turning point that the spirit of the living God filled him up and he started to shake. You ever saw that? And they started to pound on him and he will begin to find strength. It was inner strength that began to give him the abilities to overcome his enemy. It was in the ring. That all of this took place. I want to speak to this about the ring piece for a moment because I do believe that many of us are in a ring and it's called life. And it's a wrestle. There is so much things that you and I, we are wrestling with. Another word for the word wrestle is to struggle. And struggling means this, striving to achieve or to attain something in the face of difficulties or resistance. I sit down with many people as I counsel them and as I hear their stories, I ask them a very simple question. I said, are you struggling? And they would look at me with this odd face and they, they will tell me, of course I'm struggling. I said, good. Because the moment that you stop struggling means that you stop fighting. The moment you stop struggling means that you stop wrestling. The simple fact that you are still trying to shake it off, the simple fact that you still care, the simple fact that you are making attempts to overcome whatever challenges you are facing means that you are staying in the fight. The story of Jacob begins in Genesis chapter 25. There is a real tension that is happening in the life of Jacob and it started very, very, very early in his life. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham and the son of Isaac. The irony of this story is that Isaac's wife, Rebekah, was barren just like Sarah, his mom. And he prayed for a child and God blessed them with Jacob. The covenant promise from God to Jacob was for his children and, his, and, and generations will be blessed. Jacob became the third generation in Abraham's lineage. We learned that Jacob is a twin to his brother Esau and from the womb. From the womb, Jacob wrestled. He struggled. The Bible says in Genesis 25, 22, the children struggled together within her. Inside of the womb, whenever we see behaviors displayed in public, it all started from within. There isn't just a blow up because everything begins from what's happening in the inside. Rebecca had a real struggle inside that was not normal. So she approached the Lord, and this is what he told her. Genesis 25, 23, two nations are in your room. Two people from within you shall be divided. One shall be stronger than the other. The other shall serve the younger. Rebecca's assignment was to raise two boys according to their purpose with integrity intact. Recognizing that there's going to be a divide, so somehow, some way, she's got to disciple her two children whom she loves to, be ha to have peace and harmony. It's not easy to raise children. It's not easy to raise children and watching your children struggle because so many times what we want to do is that we want to come and take the struggle away. But I got to tell you something about struggle. I'm grateful for the struggles that I've had in my life. The struggles has literally made me, and it's also built up my faith. 
Without the struggle, where would I be? Without the struggle, how strong would I know uh, or how much strength do I know I have? Without the struggle, it has developed so much in me that has prepared me for life. There are some struggles that God would allow to happen because he is going to prepare you for whatever is ahead of you. Now, there's some struggles that are self-inflicted. you got to work on that. But there are some struggles that God would allow to happen because what's ahead of you is greater than the moment that you're living. Rebecca's raising two nations in two people, two nations in two people, and one shall serve the other. Our goals is to raise people, is to disciple people so that they understand what their purpose and what their calling is. This foundation that we're prepared to give, to teach, to preach, is more than what you're created to do. This foundation is more than what you're created to do. You're studying. You're in education. You're having a career or you're looking towards your career. I'm here to tell you this foundation I'm speaking to you about is so much more than your career. It's so much more than just your calling or your purpose. See, so many people, we focus so much on the purpose that we begin to eliminate what identity really is. Your identity is not in your purpose. I'm going to say that again. Your identity is not in your purpose. We've got to ask ourselves the question, why did God even create us? And according to Isaiah 43, 7, I have made them for my glory. I have made them. I created humanity and I did it so that I can be glorified. Before you were created, the Bible says that in your mother's womb, he thought of you. Think about that just for a second. Before there was a body, you were in God's mind. Before there was a body, God already saw the end from the beginning. The body was just a housing place for your soul. That's why you and I cannot be reliant on how I feel. If I worship God just the way that I feel, then at the end of the day, there's going to be moments I'm not going to worship God. But I don't worship God based on how I feel. I worship God because he is God. I don't worship God because he gives me a few things here and there. I worship him because he's the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. So when I'm in the mountaintop, guess what? I worship God. When I'm in the valley, guess what? I worship God. My worship is not dictated off circumstances. My worship is dictated on who he is. We were created for God's glory. And it is a reflection of his goodness. Why do I say that? Because when he created heavens and earth, when he created all, he said it was good. When he created man, he says it was very good. You were a reflection of him. So when he sees you, he should see glory. When he sees you, he should see perfection. When he sees you, he should see holiness. You are just the moon to the sun. The moon doesn't produce its own light, but it is a reflection of the sun. So when God sees you, you shall be a reflection of the sun. It is not about me, but it is about him. It's about reflecting glory. See, God's breath in us. His spirit gave us life. There was body. There, 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 everything was put in place, but it wasn't until God breathed. Inside the nostrils of a man. I wish I had more time and I will break that thing down. But when he breathed into the nostrils of the man, the Bible says that he had life. In other words, God poured his identity in him. When you feel as if what you do is what gives you identity, then you will be hard at work constantly performing, trying to reach expectations that will leave you frustrated 
and empty. I like what Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, I need you to shout out all things. Not some things, but all things were created through him and for him. Let's talk about identity. Your identity is in him, through him, and for him. Your identity is in him, through him, and for him. Your identity is what? In him, through him, and for him. It is in him, salvation, Christ in you and you in Christ. That the moment you said yes to Jesus, you didn't have to work for it. He did all the work, but it's about you accepting him. He in you and you in him. Your identity is not what you do, but who you belong to. When you are in Christ and Christ is in you, we are now one. It is called oneness. And many are wrestling with their identity because they're confused. And they're confusing purpose and callings and goals and desires as the key in identifying who they are. I'm a pastor. But that's not my identity. Did you hear what I just said? I'm a pastor, but that's not my identity. It's what I'm called to do. I have a degree, but that's not my identity. That's my work and that's my effort, not my identity. Where you're headed is not your identity. That is a goal. That is a calling. That is a purpose. But you have got to separate one from the other. You know what my identity is? My identity is in Christ Jesus. My identity is the fact I have been forgiven. My identity is his blood that covered my sin. My identity is his grace that loved me unconditionally. My identity is, that fa- is the fact that I am a child of God. That is my identity. I understand my identity because if anyone tries to come against me, no one can come against me knowing and recognizing they got to go through him first. My identity is recognizing I am royalty. I am priesthood. My identity is recognizing that I have a greater inheritance than what no man can ever give me here on earth. He left me a legacy. He left me a legacy. My identity is in Christ Jesus. Where's your identity at? Because what happens to Pastor David if Pastor David is no longer a pastor? Let me, let me take it a little bit deeper. Who am I without this mic? Who am I without my gift? Who am I without my anointing? If, if everything I do in life is based on what I do, then I'm going to fall empty. I'm going to reach, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make the promised land and, fi- and, and look around and ask myself the question, did I make it? Is this all what it's supposed to be? Jacob, the younger brother, he had a purpose. He had a calling even before he was created. From the womb, he wrestled with it because he turned purpose into a competition and he confused purpose with intimacy. He confused it with intimacy. My question to you is this, how intimate are you with the Lord? When no one is looking, when no one is around, how intimate are you with the Lord? In the search of trying to discover his identity, Competition is what led into performing starting from birth. So Genesis 25, 26. Afterwards, his brothers came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Jacob, uh, a meaning is different. It has, in Hebrew, it means to follow or, or to be behind. But it also could mean to supplant, overreach, meaning to supersede. 
Now, I'm not putting blame on Jacob for his ambition. I believe that God put it inside of him. But I believe that when you begin to misplace your ambition, you're going to hurt people, including yourself. When you begin to put your identity in other things, you're going to hurt yourself. As Jacob is holding on the heel of his brother Esau, the struggle that started in the womb, it continued. Listen, if you don't deal with what's happening in the inside, it's going to continue no longer how, how long you go. A lot of people will say things like this. They'll say, yo, Pastor D, I can't wait to get married. I say, why? They're like, I want to have sex. Well, listen, if you have a porn issue before, before you're married, you're going to have a porn issue as you're married. If you have a lust issue before, you're going to have a lust issue. Sex is not the cure. It is about surrender. And if our identity is in Christ, guess who's going to help you in the storm that you're facing? Jacob struggled with his identity because he wasn't content in being born second. So, so he would do what most people do. They would find any way possible to win at all costs. Jacob, in his ambition, used his brother's vulnerability when he was hungry and convinced him to sell his birthright. Receiving the birthright, the firstborn will become the head of the family in charge, including property. In chapter 27, he then received his father's blessing by deceiving his brother Esau. A father's blessing is powerful. It is a high honor with words of encouragement. It's about the today, but it's also a setup for their future. It is about the future inheritance. When Esau found out he wanted to kill him, Jacob ran out with fear. Fear became his identity. He cheated his way into his inheritance, but never enjoyed the blessing. He was on the run from Esau for 20 years. Be careful that you hold on to these offenses in your life longer than you need to. Be careful that you hold on to fear and not allowing God to fulfill his purpose in your life. And because of that, you begin to find yourself in spaces that is bringing your self-confidence down. When Jacob was 97 years old, 97, he heard his brother was coming to see him. And he thought to himself, I'm dead. It's over. He's about to now avenge himself. Jacob did something that changed him and changed the course of his life. As I bring a closure to this, Jacob wrestled with God. He wrestled with God. He put his fears, ambition, sins, purpose, calling, all in the fight. And he told God, I'm not leaving until you bless me. He did something so powerful. The Bible says that he sent his family ahead of it. In other words, it was just him and God. Sometimes you got to remove every distraction that is around you so that it can just be you and God. It was through God that Jacob was delivered. It was through God that he found the courage to face his brother. It was in the fight that God changed his name to Israel, which means this. God contended, wrestle with God, triumphant with God. I've come to tell you that you're not in the fight by yourself. I've come to tell you that God is with you and with God on your side, there is no demon in hell that can ever take you out. But no matter what type of self-esteem or low self-esteem you have or no matter what's within you or no matter what challenges is before you, I want to tell you today that no matter what comes against you, nothing will ever contend with God. He changed his name from Jacob to Israel. The, the, the name was given to him because he was willing to wrestle through. My favorite 
verse that I hold on to, my everyday verse, my life verse is Galatians 6, 9. Do not, do not, do not, do not become weary in doing good for in a proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. It is a process. There's a process to healing. There is a, there is a process to growth. There is, a, there is a process that God would put us through. But no weapons formed against you shall prosper. In Genesis chapter 42, Jacob is now old. He's now old. He, he is now, his father already passed. He's, he's got his children. And he is now ready to do what his father did unto him. He is ready to give his final blessings. He starts with his grandchildren. He starts with his grandchildren and he blesses them. But before he blesses Joseph, or before he blesses his children, this is what he says. Listen in verse 2. And it was told to Jacob, your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength. He was old, he was weak, he was about to die. And sat up in bed. And it was told to Jacob, your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel, it was told to Jacob, your son Joseph has come to you, the same person. Then Israel summoned up his strength and he sat up in bed. Same person, just a different name. Jacob heard, but Israel stood up. Jacob heard. But Israel was the one that stood up. I want to ask you a question. Who is the one that is going to stand up? Is it the one before Christ or is it the one that God has given you a new name for? Jacob is your past. Jacob is the lies of the enemy. Jacob is all of the suppression that brings out depression. Jacob is all of the things that bring out the worst in you. Jacob is all the fears and the worries that you're facing in your life. Jacob is all of that. It is the deceiver. It is the liar. But Israel is the one that encounters God with intimacy. It encounters God with care. Encounters God with desire. Not caring about the platform or the mic. Not caring about the clicks, not caring about the, the approval of people. What matters most is you being approved by God, how he sees you, how he sees your heart. He wants you to rise up and he's ready to change your name from Jacob to Israel. Would you stand to your feet? Jacob, same person, just different story. Israel, was changed the moment that he had an encounter with God. I, uh, I was in India not that long ago, and I was preaching. And I saw something so interesting as I was transitioning into my word. Worship, just like this, was fire. It was fire, passionate. People lifting up their hands. And I noticed something, that the moment that the music stopped, the people stopped. And I told, I told the worship team, I said, I want you to sing that, that song again. The Lord said, I want the worship team to play that song again. And they started to sing that song. And then I, started every, I saw all the, all the people started to worship the Lord and worship the Lord. And God said, stop the music. And I told the worship team, stop the music. And everybody stopped. And I was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? What's going on? And the Lord says, the problem is, David, is that people are moved by their emotions, but they're not moved by faith. 
I want you to go ahead and shut the music down for a second. I want you to lift up your hands all over this place. Because it's got to be your faith that moves you. The Bible has given us an instrument within us. The Bible says that if we don't worship him, that the rocks would outpraise us. So what I want you to do right where you're at is because I want your Jacobs to begin to sit down while the Israels begin to stand up. And I want you to do it with a sound that comes out of your mouth. So right where you're at, I want you to go ahead and begin to open your mouth. I want you to begin to open your heart unto the Lord and begin to let him know how good he is. I want you to begin to beat a silence to the Paul that if there's anyone next to you right now that is discouraged, that your prayers that are lifting up in heaven can begin to pour down his blessing. I want our prayers to be lifted. Go ahead and go, 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 go. I didn't come to chapel just to come to chapel. I didn't come just to hear another word. I didn't come to check this off my list. I came to worship the Lord. I come to hear what God has in store for me. Come on, I'll give you 60 seconds. Go. Oh, if you don't know what to say, say, God, you are good. You are faithful. You are mighty. Some of us have got to go back into our memory bank to be reminded of what he has done for you. Just begin to lift up your voice and say, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for restoring me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for touching me. Thank you for loving me unconditionally. A few more moments. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to lay hands on yourself. Lay hands on yourself. Too many people are too concerned or desiring to be having a pastor or a prophet or somebody come next to them to lay hands on them. Listen, you have the power and anointing within your own self. And if there's areas in your life right now, if there's areas in your life right now, I just want you to begin to pray for that. If there is an identity crisis, just pray for that. This is how we're going to end it. Pray over yourself. Pray over your mind. Pray over your heart. Don't worry about purpose and calling. God will fulfill that in you. It's about intimacy with him. Any distractions, any burdens, any worries. Oh, God's going to do great things in your life. That's for sure. But it is your faith in him that would move mountains. Please don't idolize people. Please don't make people gods. It is only through him. It is only in him, through him, and for him that we would find our identity.